This is Amber, and you're listening to Amber on Podcast. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome to episode number nine of Amber on Podcast. Thank you so, so very much for joining me today. Welcome, welcome. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back and listening to me again. That's the best thing you could possibly do. So I appreciate that. Today, we are going to talk about something really deep, something that we hide, something that's brought to you by one of my favorite podcasts from NPR. It's called Hidden Brain. Now, it's hosted by Shankar Vedantam, which is such a cool word name to say. I highly suggest writing it down so you can just say it because it feels so good in your mouth. Shankar Vedantam. I, you know, I love spelling. It's really important for me to spell things out so that I understand exactly what the word is or maybe its origin. Side note, if there were still adult adult spelling bees, I would happily, happily compete uh, uh, probably at least once a month, if not every weekend. At any rate, Shankar Vedantam, which is again, the favorite, my favorite thing to say, feels so good in your mouth, is spelled S-H-A-N-K-A-R and then Vedantam, it's completely Phonetic, V-E-D-A-N-T-U-M, Vedantum. Cool, right? Anyway, he has this show on NPR, and it's called Hidden Brain. And it's basically like if you're curious about XYZ, this is the way that, uh, or this is the research that we found. This is the way that our brain behaves in certain situations and why things are the way that they are. I call it the show about why things are the way that they are. And bonus is that Shankar Vedantam has one of those soothing, amazing radio voices, sort of like Ira Glass, who hosts This American Life. He is so wonderful, such a joy to listen to. And it, it's just so well written the entire show. I just really, 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 really love the show. I always come away with something very, very important. And today is no difference. Different, rather. Today is no different. So let's start the show. You know, this was a saving grace for me. When I heard this episode of Hidden Brain, it's called Counting Other People's Blessings, and that's a great name for the subject matter we're going to discuss, but it came at a really great time for me. I heard the episode about a week before I received a really horrible text from an old friend, and I re-listened to the episode again after I received the text from an old friend, and it it definitely made a difference in the way that I was managing the situation and managing my feelings about it and just understanding exactly what was going on. So it was huge for me, and I think it'll be wildly helpful for you today. So when we decide to count other people's blessings, what we are doing is actively engaging in envy. And again, that's one of the deeply hidden emotions that we don't like to bring out to the surface. It's not something that we want to admit to. It's not something that we want to say out loud, I'm envious of this person. I mean, it's one of the seven deadly sins for Christ's sake. So obviously, it's a consistent, universal emotion that everyone is feeling. Everyone's been a victim of. Everyone has felt envy at some point in their lives. So in order to better understand envy and exactly where it comes from and why it exists at all, Shankar Vedantam on this episode of Hidden Brain does a really, really great job at answering that question. And the origins of envy are innate in us. They are primal. As a species, we operate this way for two reasons. Number one is that inequality is everywhere. There's always going to be someone that's more intelligent than you, somebody that's more beautiful 
than you, somebody that's sexier than you, whatever the case may be. We're not all equal. That much is true. It's a fact. And the second one being that there are studies that have been done on baboons, for example, and different monkeys. And what they've done is that they've systematically measured the amount of gazes, the amount of looks from other baboons in the group. How much are they looking at the alpha male versus any other member of the group? And it turns out, as you might have guessed, they are looking at the alpha male significantly more than anybody else. It is quite evident who is at the top of the hierarchy. It's very clear and the same for us humans. So the combination of these two, the fact that there's inequality everywhere and indefinitely, and that we notice when people are higher on the hierarchy, in the hierarchy, we can tell these inherently. It's our nature that we understand what these are. So this makes envy a consistent, constant emotion within us and within the universe. This is something we're always going to deal with, which makes sense now. You know why it's one of the seven deadly sins, because it affects the fuck out of us. This is also why research proves that Facebook, Instagram, social media make you more depressed or less happy. And, you know, this is a study of research that I mentioned a few episodes ago, and it's something that I think we've all heard by now. However, I have to admit that I never really believed it was true for me personally. I always thought that my experience looking at social media was more of a celebratory thing. Like I was happy for the people that I saw on there who were living their lives. And I I truly felt like I was the exception to the rule. I think that that does a lot of things for me, one of which being uh, acting as an excuse for me to get to be on social media because I don't happen to be one of those people that's affected by by social media and it's not making me depressed. So it, 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 it makes it okay for me to use it, basically. I need an excuse. But the real reason is not that. The real reason is that that's untrue because the reason that Facebook makes you more unhappy or Instagram makes you less happy is that you're having to actively compare yourself with others nonstop. And we are wired this way to understand where we are in the hierarchy. You understand if you're shorter or taller than someone. You understand if you're skinnier or fatter than someone. So when you are looking on Instagram, on social media, you are comparing yourself to those that you see on there. So in in large amounts, it makes sense that it would leave you with an empty feeling. And in fact, that's what I've noticed more recently. I've been on social media a lot more. I've excused being on social media a lot more. And I've realized and I've seen that it doesn't give me the same payoff at the end. If I'm working on my podcast, if I'm reading a book, if I'm listening to a podcast, if I'm just enjoying my time and and I come away from it feeling really energized and feeling really excited about life and just really thankful. And, you know, I don't, I I look at it as as a good exercise. But in the case of spending time on social media, on Instagram is my preference, or even on LinkedIn, it's another one I'm pretty active on, or Snapchat, you see what I'm saying? So anyway, when I spend my time on these, I don't come away with the same feeling of joy, of great, I can't wait to start my life. And it's because I have been so busy comparing myself to others, whether I'm happy for them or not, I'm having to actively compare myself over and over and over and over because it's part of who we are. It's hardwired into our brains, part of our species, the way that we behave. Behavioral science, I suppose, would be the right phrase for it. We are ingrained with this method of thinking. It's not going to go away. It's part of all of us, which is why I think it's so important to talk about it and understand it so it doesn't get the best of us. Um, That could be the worst case scenario is when envy does get the best of us, and I'll discuss more on that in a moment. There are two ways that Shankar Vedantam uses, two words rather, that he uses to describe envy gone wrong, essentially. But it's hostile envy or malicious 
envy. And when this happens, we have witnessed or seen engaged with someone who is so fabulously better, who is doing so fabulously better than us that it's our instinct to want to pull them down closer to where we are. And if we succeed in doing this, we actually feel good. We feel better for having done so. Now, I know that there are tons of examples of doing exactly that on the internet with trolling and bullying and so on. But where it can go very, very wrong and where it went very, very wrong for me most recently was in a text that I received from a a girlfriend, a girlfriend that I had not been friends with. I've not been friends with now for about two years. However, we used to be very, very close and it was a relationship um, that I decided to end, a friendship that I decided wasn't serving me in the right ways. And so we are no longer friends. And I received a message from this person, a text message that was really hostile and really rude. And it really, really hurt my feelings. And I I sat with this for quite a while. You know, I did the episode a couple episodes back about our emotions and how to understand when you're feeling something. So I tried to do that, practice what I'm, you know, what I'm preaching, so to speak. And I I tried to understand exactly what I was feeling. And I could find within that, when I sort of stepped away from myself, I said, I see that I'm feeling hurt. I see that I'm feeling angry. I see that I'm feeling bullied. Basically, this person is putting me down. And it made me doubt or question everything, really. All my other relationships, I started wondering if other people were feeling this way or anyone who had maybe seen her or, you know, maybe I hadn't heard from somebody because they happened to be spending time with her. I started to get really, really self-conscious and really, really sensitive as a result of getting this hostile, mean message. And I mentioned at the top of the show, I heard this episode, this podcast episode, Counting Other People's Blessings, right before I received this message. And then I went and listened to it again, just to be sure I understood it accurately. And what I understood is indeed correct, and it helped me immensely. So I mentioned when others perceive you as being fabulously better, then they instinctively want to pull you down. And this person, this friend of mine, former friend, she was definitely trying to pull me down. There's no question about that. And mind you, we haven't spoken in two years. There's been zero communication except for this one off-the-wall text, like out-of-nowhere text. And so it really, really stung. And I realized that she was really trying to hurt me, like that was intended to be hurtful. And why would somebody want to do that? Well, because they perceive someone else as being better and they want to pull them down to where they are. And I cannot tell you how comforted I am, I was, and I continue to be by that statement, by that sentiment, by understanding that. Because so many times in my life, I have been told that someone's being mean to me because oh, they're just jealous. Oh, they're just jealous. Oh, they're just jealous. You know, one time I had in high school, there was a girl who really disliked me very, very much. And she made that very known. And I, I, I fought back, you know, I definitely fought back, but she really did, did, got the icing on the cake with this one. So at the end of the school year, freshman year of high school, she brought a bottle of ketchup. And as I'm walking out of the front doors of the high school, she douses me with all of this ketchup and it's all over me. And I remember I was wearing a little sheath plaid dress with white platform slip-on shoes, like, very 90s clueless with my yearbook and my yearbook got all covered in in ketchup and I was so upset and my grandmother wanted to go to the police office or the police station and complain about my yearbook because it cost $75. I distinctly remember that. And I also had to walk 
half a mile down the street to meet my grandmother who picked me up on the corner to avoid traffic. So I'm walking in this ketchup back in the day. There were no cell phones. So it's not like I could call her and be like, yo, can you come pick me up? Like I had to go walk to her covered in ketchup looking like Carrie on a May afternoon in Corpus Christi, Texas. So it's hot as fuck. It's humid and I'm drenched in ketchup and I smelled like ketchup. And by the time I get there, my grandmother's all freaked out because she thinks that I've gotten murdered or something. Like somebody's hurt me in some way. She thinks it's blood and not ketchup. You can imagine. At any rate, that instance was also an example of someone wanting to pull me down. They definitely were doing that maliciously. It was definitely hostile. Um, and she meant to hurt me. She meant to to uh, humiliate me, essentially. And she succeeded. And it was because she needed to pull me down. So when this happened with my friend, I realized that it was, in fact, her admitting that there's something that she's seeing within me that she thinks I'm better, more fabulously performing at. And she needs to knock me down you know, sort of um, chop down a high, a high tall poppy, I think is what they say. Actually, it's the cutting down of tall poppies. Yes, that's it. There have also been research studies that put uh, sports fans in MRI machines and they measure their happiness levels in the MRI while they're watching um, a game st- scoring win or a, a person, a player on the opposite team, their rival team, get injured. And they actually experience more happiness when they see their competitive advantage increase, basically. And it's true for those that we are competing with competitively and those that we perceive as being a high high status in society. Bring it back to the baboons, but who we noticeably recognize and observe as getting more gazes like the alpha male, who we notice is sticking out and being special, whose light is shining bright. Who do we see out there? And now when you think about celebrities, this is an obvious thing. You know, how many times have you heard people complain about Kim Kardashian or about whoever? I find that whole idea to be to be the most, the easiest, most simplistic example of envy because it's so clear to see when people are random talk about strangers and how horrible they are when they have no idea what their lives are like. Which brings me to my last point. They have no idea what their lives are like. So I don't like to bring up an issue without a solution. And envy is a hell of a drug. I can't begin to understand how to completely get rid of it in my life. I do not think that I'm even capable of doing that. However, I do believe that I'm capable of feeling differently about it. And I, like my friend, have also been the kind of person who has shot someone down and said something or thought something or acted in a certain way because I, deep down, was feeling envious of that person. And I don't want to be that way. I don't want to teach anyone. I don't want to be that kind of role model. I don't want to teach anyone to be that way. And in fact, I want to actively work against being that way and try to transform it into something that's more helpful for me and for you. So in the interest of being more helpful, I want to share one of my favorite life lessons, life practices. This is something that I do my best to remind myself of constantly because it helps me in every situation dealing with any other human being. But the thing to remember always when it comes to another person and the way that you're relating to them, because after all, we have envy because we naturally assume or can, you know, naturally assume our our position in society. We understand where it is that we sit. And because we understand where it is that we sit, it can be, it will be more likely for you to be envious of those who don't sit at your same ranking or above you. So something to remember when you are having these thoughts and you're looking through Instagram going on with comparison and comparison, comparison is that 
everyone has their own bag. So if you can imagine that you have a bag and you're carrying this bag around ever since your birth, like this bag comes out, it's like the bag that comes out instead of placenta, you get a bag, okay? And it's just stuck on you. You always have it. And in this bag, that was a gross example, but in this bag are all your experiences, all your lessons, everything you've witnessed and observed in your entire life, every conversation that you've had, every hug you've gotten, every fight you've been in, every place you've lived, every single thing that's ever happened in your life is in this bag. And you continue to fill this bag up as you live your life and you have your experiences. And this is true for everybody in the world. Everyone has their bag. And what I find to be the most helpful is to remind yourself that if you are in a situation and you find that someone is not responding or reacting or behaving in the way that you would like them to or the way that you think is appropriate, consider that they have their bag. They do not have your bag. They've never seen in your bag and you've never seen in their bag. So all of their inside their bag. I mean, all of their experiences and everything, their lessons, everything they've observed, every every hug, every every joke, every fight, every school, every principal, every father, everything is in there. And the trouble that we get into is when we start to expect people to behave based on what's in our bag, because that's the only visibility that we have is just into our bag. Now, we can try to look into the other person's bag, but that's only going to come through them. So what are they going to tell us? And we can begin to understand this person. And that's, you know, how bonds are formed and so on. But, you know, we barely even understand what's in our own damn bag. You know, we often can't even uphold and hold our own, uphold our own standards of what we desire and what we demand from other people. So a helpful way of looking at this when it comes back to envy is to remember that that person has their own bag and we don't know what the hell is in there. Who knows what they've been through? Who knows what they've seen? And this is proven over and over with people that we admire and we notice that they, or we find out, you know, through, through um, biographies or whatever, movies, that these people had a really hard upbringing. And then all of a sudden, you know, when this person accumulates a large amount of wealth or a high power position, power position in society, we don't have the same envy or resentment towards this person because we understand some of what's in their back. And if they had a hard come up, we're like, oh, well, this person deserves this. You understand? So remembering what everyone has in their bag and and remembering that you can't see in their bag and you only have your bag so don't expect anybody to be operating off your bag is really, really helpful. And I pretty much use it as like my my golden card. I don't know if there's such thing as a golden card, but if there were, this would be my golden card. Any argument or if I'm having a hard time, you know, discussing, making a point with people and they're, you know, it's when I have debates and things, which happens often, I always like to pull this one out and it's kind of the one that it's universally understood and it helps you do more good. And of course, that's what I'm interested in most is doing more good. So if there are three things that you can take away from this, three practical applications that will help you do more good and live your lives better and understand things better, I would say it's number one, the bag. Remember, you're just dealing with your bag. You have no idea what's in anybody else's bag. Number two, remember that if you are feeling being beat down by someone else, if you feel that, you know, someone is coming at you and sideways and they're mistreating you, one really helpful way to look at it is to remember that you are a bright shining light and they're trying to pull you down to their level. And that really, really changed the way that I understood what was happening with my friend. And it made me feel a lot better. And it's something that I have to consistently remind myself of. And I can tell that this time, you know, 
I, I got over it much, much quicker, reminding myself of that and understanding it this way than I have in the past and I have historically. And number three is that just a side note, you know, something that I also, in addition to remembering everyone has their own bag, is to always deliver your your messages with love and kindness. If you always make sure that whatever message you're sending to a friend or whatever thing, you know, letter you're typing, email you're typing, text, you know, comment on Instagram, whatever, make sure that it's coming from a place of love and kindness and from your heart. And I guarantee you that no matter what message you're delivering, no matter what bad news you have to share, if you can manage to make sure that you're delivering it with love and kindness, it will go much, much, much better. I speak from experience. I know what a difference it makes. It's something that was taught to me. I did not make this up. Um, a very dear friend taught this, taught me this. And um, having grace is so important. And this will help you have grace when you are, are delivering a message and when you're speaking and communicating with people. And it will help you do more good for more people most of the time. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to episode number nine of Amber on Podcast. I so appreciate you. Have no idea, but I want to give you an idea. I am so excited to be working on this. I'm so honestly happy with with myself, for myself. You know, if I had lunch with a girlfriend recently and she said, oh my gosh, you just go to sleep at night and you're just like so excited and so happy. And I'm like, I do actually. I really do because I love doing this. I love sharing with you guys and I love the feedback that I'm getting and I love the love and I just want everybody to love and be loved and 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 understand more about the world and the way things work and the reason that we are the way that we are where we've been from and where we're going and I love 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 all your comments um I see the reviews on iTunes and I appreciate it so much that's the best thing you can do for me is to leave me a review so please please if you have not already please leave me a review on iTunes and please subscribe and please email me if you have any questions if there's a subject matter that you want to learn more about, I'm an open book. Let me know. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, pretty much everything, you know. And also you can check out the show notes, all the details, all the history, all the links are at my website, mytalkingdollars.com, mytalkingdollars.com. Until next time, bye. You know, since I started doing the podcast, everybody has been asking me, are you on YouTube? When are you going to be on YouTube? Why aren't you on YouTube? You should so totally be on YouTube. And I completely agree. I look forward to posting on YouTube. But in the meantime, there is a great podcast that's already on YouTube, and it is the Model Health Show. You can watch it on YouTube. It's effing great. I just listened to a podcast this week. A friend of mine, Lacey Dinan, who is the shit, she recommended that I listen to this podcast because she has amazing taste, and so do I, and I did, and it's so great. So check out the Model Health Show. I will, if you're not already, I'll link it in the show notes. And until then, love you. Bye.